So once upon a time, this is the story that our culture tells us, once upon a time, uh, we were restricted by all these outdated traditions and this morality that told us who we had to be. But now we have broken free. That was 
going to sing High School Musical, I won't. Um, <laughs> we've broken free. And we must have the courage to go our own way, to resist anybody who stands in our way, and to discover who we really are on the inside. Right? This is, this is kind of the story that we're told every day by our culture, by the world. That if you want to know who you are, you have to look inside of yourself to find it. And at first glance, that actually sounds kind of convincing. It sounds pretty sensible. Um, but when you start to dig into it a little bit, into that mindset, you quickly start to hit problems. Um, so I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of those. So problem number one. So these are just these are just my thoughts on the subject. Um, looking at the world that way or finding my identity within myself in the way that the world says that I should, that's actually really unstable because it's all, it's all opinions and it's all feelings and those things change. Like We know that. Our feelings change about things all the time. So if who I am is based on my changing feelings and opinions, then, then who am I? Like if, if, I, if I feel or think that I'm one thing and then my feelings and or my opinions change on that. Like, was I not that person in the first place? Who, who am I now? Uh, am I not who I thought I was? Can I even really know who I am? I think our identity is supposed to be something fixed and solid. It's supposed to be something like a foundation from which we can then relate to the rest of the world. Like, it's supposed to be something stable for us. But if my identity is just my own changing opinion, then there is no stability in that whatsoever, right? And that is, like, that's actually terrifying. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably multiple times use the phrase when I was your age. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. So, when I was your age, um, I didn't have to. I'm just gonna let that one go. Um, which which age? When I was Artemis' age, because oh, I am oh. twice Artemis' age. Yeah. Wow. I know. Oh. Thank you. I feel we're getting away from the point. This wasn't where I wanted the focus to be. You're but twice my age, but you, I'm shorter than you, so you can use that. I'm taller than you, so... The point is, <laughs> when I was younger than I currently am, I... Yesterday? I didn't have to decide all the things about myself that you guys are now having to decide and have, like being told you have to figure out. So the, the gender conversation was just not a conversation that happened when I was 14, 15. That was just not, like the sexuality conversation was barely a conversation. Like the, these things were just, they were assumed. Um, but now, even these things that, like to people my age and, you know, older, um, <laughs> these things were really just, they, they were like a foundation for us. They were, they were assumed. It was like, well, those things we just don't even need to question or think about, like, We've got this basis for who we are, and we can build on that. Um, but now, like none of that is is there for you guys. All of that's being stripped away. Um, and I wonder. This is a wondering. Off on a tangent. If this is like one factor or one small aspect of the increase in the mental health stuff that you guys are battling with, like your generation, because if even the things that used to be like set and foundational and assumed, if even those are being stripped away and you've got nothing, like, that's terrifying. Like, no wonder people are anxious and depressed and hopeless. That's just my wondering. Um, so, yes, I've said all of that. Um, so, 
if all we are is just feeling an opinion, then what can we actually trust? Yeah, that's terrifying. So, if that's where we're coming from, if that's how we're living, um, that I found we tend to avoid challenges to that identity that might open us up to that kind of fear or instability, like when something's really scary like that, as people we just avoid looking at it if at all possible, you know? And we do the same thing here. Uh, we, we're afraid of our identity being challenged because then we'll see how unstable it is. Uh, so we can really quickly become defensive when someone does that. And that can damage them, and it can damage our relationship with them, and it can even damage us in the process. So I'll give you an example um, that will sound silly, but is sort of based on my life experience. So don't laugh at me too much. So um, <laughs> say I find my identity in being the best cajon player that I know. All right. Now, at one point in my life, this was actually true because I knew nobody else that played the cajon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, right, this is my identity, right? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a pretty good cajon player. This is, this is like, I start, I start to find my sense of identity in that even a little bit. Um, but then one day, I hear Megan play the cajon. And Megan's never gone near the thing in her life and she just sits down and she's like, one of these people that is just can play everything and is like a musician, you know? You've got people who play instruments and then you've got musicians. <laughs> Megan is a musician. Um, so she sits down on the thing and she starts doing all this crazy stuff I never even dreamed you could do. Um, and she's better than me, right? So my possible reactions to this, if my identity is even in part being found in being a great cajon player, um, I could, in protest, stop cajoning altogether. That could be, that could be, cajoning is now a verb. But that could be my reaction, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna avoid the issue entirely. I'm just. Like, I'm done with that. But then I'm missing out on all the joy that I get from playing it. Because I don't play the thing because I think I'm amazing. I play it because I'll have a lot of fun while I do it. And if I just stop playing it, then I'm only hurting myself. And I'm missing out on all of that. Uh, and I'm missing out on the ways I can bless other people through it. Because when I play, it's in a worship context. And it, like, it adds something when you've got drums. And so I would miss out on that too. That's one option. Another option is that I can just resent her a lot. Uh, I might tell her that to her face. Which would be very damaging for Megan because she's a very words person. Don't say anything mean to her, she'll really take it. Um, so I could do that, or I could not say anything, but I could kind of let it simmer silently and just brood on it and like gradually let it destroy our friendship because it would, it would just erode the foundations of it. So that's one option. Or I could keep playing it, and this is kind of what I did for briefly at one point, and then I went, What are you doing, Ashley? This is silly. Um, I could keep playing it, but then have this like deep well of insecurity opened up in me and any time I start playing it I'm just like I'm so preoccupied with what other people think of me and am I playing it well enough and am I as good as so and so and I could have done that better and like I'm just so focused on myself and so insecure about everything that like I can't actually it hinders my worship I'm, I'm too busy looking at myself that I'm not looking at Jesus um, so all of these things like not great results um, a different example that I will give you, just about this whole finding identity in yourself thing. Uh, so I could find my identity in my sexuality, right? Now this is obviously a big one in our culture at the moment. It's always money, sex, power. Oh, like one of them. Um, and sex is the biggest one at the moment. So uh, I'm okay. We're gonna come back to this. I am bisexual. Um, so I could find my identity in that sexuality, right? I could, I could go, I am bisexual, that's who I am. I can like, claim that as my identity. Um, so the results of that. So when I'm told by Christians that God does not want me to act on my homosexual feelings, then what I might hear, it's not what they're saying, but what I hear 
is that God wants me to deny who I am, that he wants me to cut out a part of myself um, or to become somebody else entirely, right? And if that's what I'm hearing, then I might end up resenting God, like, surely you made me like this, and now you're asking me to be someone completely different. Like, how, could, how can you do that to me? Or I might end up resenting people in the church, the Christians who've told me this, I might be like, how dare you tell me that it's wrong for me to be who I am? Or I might end up hating myself for it. Like, I must be so twisted and so broken that God wants me to fundamentally not be myself. Like, that's a problem. Like, I'm, I'm, so I might end up, um, yeah, that, stop that sentence there. Um, so at one point in my life, I was headed towards all of that, but God is really good and really gracious, and he, like, he caught me early, and he turned me around, and he taught me not to find my identity in who I'm attracted to, and I'm so grateful that he did. Um, so recently, I'm trying to change my language, so rather than saying I am bi, I'm trying to say I experience same-sex attraction, which is a mouthful and sounds a bit dumb, but I find it really helpful because one, the I am bi, it's a statement about identity, yeah, like this is who I am, but the I experience same-sex attraction, that's talking about an experience, it's talking about feelings that I have, and I find that just so much more helpful because, <laughs> because then it's not that God is asking me to not be myself, he's not asking me to deny part of who I am, he's just asking me not to act on some of my feelings in a certain way. Just like he asks me not to act on my anger in a way that hurts other people. Or to act, or to let my own happiness like blindly steamroll over somebody else's pain, right? God asks me to act on all my emotions in ways that are holy rather than sinful. And that's just as true for my feelings of attraction as it is for my feelings of pain or anger or joy or compassion or anything else. That was a bit of a tangent, but I felt like I wanted to say that. So. Those are two really, really specific examples, and I'm not saying that getting your sense of identity from within, 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 from within yourself is like going to lead to those specific outcomes. I'm just, I'm trying to paint a picture to help you ground this. Um, and whatever else it looks like, it's unstable when we find our, our identity within ourselves. It's unstable, it's unreliable, it ch it's changeable, and we can end up hurting ourselves or other people. So that's one issue with it. Um, another one, an issue with finding our identity in ourselves is that it's not actually how we were designed. So we were made to find our identity in God, not in ourselves. We're made to look to him for answers, for significance, for security, for acceptance, for identity, and everything else, not to try to find those things in ourselves or even in other people. There is this quote that you'll probably know by now because I say it all the time. Augustine, very old, very awesome dude. Well, he's very dead, not just old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think if he was still alive, he'd be like 400 years old or something. So, like, He'd be a couple thousand years old. Okay. <laughs> I like you think somewhere he's a different Augustine. He would be somewhere between 400 and a couple thousand years old. <laughs> um, he, at one point, said this. It's got some thou's in. Bear with. Thou hast, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Question. Translation. Yes. Did you say vowels or vowels? No, I said thou. Vowels. T H O. I said vowel. 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 I said vowel
Right, I'm going to illustrate this. So the person who manufactures a blender knows what it's for, right? They know the best way to use it. They know the things that really should not be done with it. They know <laughs> how to take care of it. In the they know not to do that. They know all these things, right? And so we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to the designer's instructions, whether we're talking about a blender or a human being. And when we ignore the manufacturer's instructions, the designer's instructions, when we're trying to find our identity in anything other than God, it's like using a blender as a skateboard. It is ineffective and so it's going to end up hurting everybody wrong. involved. <laughs> yes. I want to try it. So if you took the knives out of it, maybe <laughs> not a no. blender, but you put, get two blenders. No. <laughs> who and what we are, and he is the only one who gets to define us, right? So, world says find your identity within yourself. We're already starting to see that there are some problems with that. I'm not saying that what I'm talking about is like an exhaustive list, and we could probably talk about this for days, but that's my five minutes on it. Um, does anybody remember Romans 12, verse 2? We learned it a while ago. Right. It begins, do not... Do not... Be conformed to the terms of this world. But be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Excellent. That's what I want. No, I don't have any. I'm sorry. Disappointed. My mum has sweets. Well, your mother's more prepared than I am. There were sweets, but you guys ate more. Right. No. So. Romans 12 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I can't find that I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I'm just going to spend like 5-10 minutes just seeing what our designer says about who we are, like letting him renew our minds and transform us. Um, so I've got, what I'm going to say is like kind of general to Christians. Uh, but don't hear that your individual identity gets demolished when you follow Jesus. That's not at all what I'm saying. I've just picked out two things that apply to everybody. But you are still a unique individual, and God has made you a unique individual. Um, and he knows who you are in such specific ways. Um, yeah, that. So, things God says about our identity. Number one, he says that we are children of God. So John, who wrote one, two, three, four, five books of your Bible, of your New Testament, uh, he talks about this. My Bible? Of everybody's Bible. Uh, he said in John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, he says, but to all who believed him, that's Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And then again in 1 John, which is a letter written by John, uh, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And he's really trying to hammer the point home, because then he says, and that is what we are. So I can call God my Father. I can call Jesus my brother. His Holy Spirit confirms that this is true by, by living in me. It says in Galatians 4, because you're his sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Like the Spirit is in us, confirming that we're children of God. We are precious, and we are loved by him. 
So that's one thing that we know about our identity as Christians. We're children of God. Uh, second thing is that we are saints, not sinners, which is Christianese. Um, but when I say saint... Yeah, so Christianese is like, like uh, jargon, like words that Christians use that make sense to other Christians because we've all read the Christian dictionary. But if you just kind of walk in off the street, like if you listen to some of the things that we say in church, if you just walk in off the street and hear it, it's like, what are you lot talking about? That's what I mean when I say Christianese. Um, so, Christianese, saints, yes. When I say saints, go. Um, here, like, people who are holy. Someone, someone who has been made holy, who has been made like pure and righteous by God. So that's who we are. We're saints. We're not sinners anymore. So, yes, as Christians, we do still sin. I'm not saying that we don't. Uh, the Bible wouldn't have so much to say on the subject if we weren't expected to struggle with sin. John, again, even says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we still, we still sin, and we need to be aware that it's dangerous, and it's ugly, and it's damaging, and we need to be really ruthless with it. But there is hope for us when we sin. Uh, John goes on to say if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is possibly my favourite word. So, yes, we still sin as Christians. The Bible warns us about it and teaches us how to deal with it, but sinner is not our fundamental identity anymore. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul is listing out a bunch of people who he says won't inherit the kingdom. Um, and in my translation, it's really interesting because he actually equates their sin with their identity. Um, like obviously, this is the filter I had on while I was reading it. And it was just really interesting. So he says this, Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, the word, will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's talking about these people like... like talking about their sin in terms of their identity and he calls them the unrighteous as an umbrella term it's like sinners sinners by their very nature that's who they are but then he goes on to say and that's what some of you were so he's talking to christians so this applies to you guys that's what some of you were but you were washed you were sanctified which means you were made holy you were justified which means you were declared innocent in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god so what paul is saying is that our fundamental identity has changed that's what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.17, when he says we're new creations, right? The old sinner has gone, and the new holy one has come. That's who we are now. We are holy, forgiven children of God. We are permanent carriers of God's holy presence. We're one with Jesus, us in him, and him in us, and our identity is so bound up with him that we get to share his right standing before God. So, coming into land, that is some of what God says about who we are. Um, but more than we talk about ourselves and our own identity, we need to look to him. We talk a lot about self-esteem, just generally. Um, I think we need to be more focused on our Christ-esteem, which is a phrase I got from a book, but I love it. I thought you made it up, and I was like, that sounds like the kind of thing you'd make it up does. on the spot. Sadly, I cannot take the credit, but no. Um, I've actually titled this talk, Boost your Christ esteem in three easy steps. Oh, no. <laughs> you can enjoy that later. Right, so I think we need to be more concerned with our Christ esteem. So the fall was mankind turning away from God. Mankind turning away from God and turning 
inwards, like turning towards ourselves, trying to find things within ourselves that we're meant to find in God. And that's what our culture is still urging us to do, to look inwards to find our identity. We become self-centred instead of God-centred. And we need to be centred on him, not on ourselves. We need to be looking to him. We need to ground our identity in him. Yes, we need to know who he says we are, but over and above that, we need to see him. We need to have our eyes fixed on him uh, and like turn from ourselves. Just stop thinking about ourselves so much. Like Our lives are meant to centre around him. He's meant to be the, the focus and the one that gets our attention and gets our hearts. We're not meant to be in the centre of our lives. He is. And I think as we do that, as we look to him more than we look to ourselves, that's when we actually truly become ourselves. So, what I'm going to do, um, I have here a sheet with my lovely snappy title that you all love so much on it. Um, so I'm going to give you one of these, and I'm going to ask you to take like five, ten minutes to fill it out, basically. I will need to get some pens. Thank you. Um, so, I'll just run through this very quickly. The three easy steps... So firstly, I want you to think about how you define yourself. Um, and I've got a column here for you to just write down some ways that you define yourself and like what you think your identity is or what you say about it. Um, and then I want you to write down what the Bible says and what God says about who you are. And some of those things might line up with what you've written in the left and some of them might not. Uh, and where what you think and what God says don't line up, then what you think has got to like submit to what God says. So just some time thinking about that. Um, and then the third step is one for you to take away. So I've written, take a few minutes every day to remind yourself of your identity in Jesus. You might like to read through this whole list or just pick one thing, spend some time reading that passage in your Bible. And however much time you spend thinking about your own identity, spend more time thinking about Jesus, thanking him for all he's done for you, praising him for who he is, and committing again to have your life centered around him rather than yourself. So we're going to do this for a bit, and then we're going to worship and just like focus on Jesus for a while. Um, does that all make sense? Yes? Cool. So you can like ask us leaders for help finding stuff if you want to. I will stick up the verses that I mentioned just now. They will be on the screen. There are a couple of handouts over there. There's like a letter from God to you kind of thing if you want one of those or a freedom in Christ, who I am in Christ thing. So you might find those helpful starting points.